Hey everybody, this is Sean Early, and in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about monetization strategies for digital artists. So in other words, how do you grow from doing digital art as a hobby to growing it into a full-time business? So if you're looking for ideas on how to grow your own art business, then you're going to want to check out this episode. If you like this podcast, be sure to click the subscribe button. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok in order to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. Today's podcast is brought to you by the new Robot Spaceship Studios, offering professional podcast production, design, consulting, and promotional services to help you start your very own podcast. For more information, go to robotspaceship.com studios. Welcome to the Grow Your Digital Business Podcast, where creative entrepreneurs learn how to monetize their passions and grow their digital business. This podcast has been brought to you by the Robot Spaceship Podcast Network. For more info and other great podcast series, go to robotspaceship.com and subscribe. And now your host, Sean Early. Hey everybody, this is Sean Early and welcome to episode five of the Grow Your Digital Business podcast. Today, I wanna talk about monetization strategies for digital artists. So in other words, how do you go from doing digital art as a hobby to growing it into a full-time business? Something I've been able to do on multiple fronts on different types of design and and, uh, art businesses myself. So I thought I'd take a chance to kind of share my experience on what I did and maybe you can get some ideas to apply it to your own business. So... Unlike a lot of people, I, well, I'm going to kind of give away my age here a little bit, but I started doing design and graphic design and marketing and all that stuff kind of before I got into digital art. I was always doing art as a kid and throughout my life I've been creative, but, you know, actually doing art for art's sake was not something that I really did much of um, until much later. And it's, I was, wow, it was maybe 10 years ago, something like that. Um, maybe longer. I don't remember the exact date, but I was working for this game company and I was working, I was doing mostly concept and strategy and user experience for a social media project. And so I was doing a lot of really high end kind of research and concept and information architecture and, and creating wireframes and presentations and, and concept documentation. And at the same time, I was working for this game company. So there's all these really amazing artists around me, all these digital artists and people who could just make really cool digital art. And I got really inspired by that, all the 3D graphics and all the cool character design and all that. So I kind of wanted to learn how to do that myself. I always something I wanted to play with, but I just never had a chance to. So I had um, a while ago for for when I was doing web design and, and just graphic design, I bought a program called Poser, which was sort of a 3D character modeling tool, art software um, that I used to kind of create some logos with, I think, because I was kind of not so good at, at really um, perfect anatomical sketching. So I used it kind of to create some graphic references for some pose shapes and I made some designs out of it. But I, you know, I knew there was a lot of other possibility for the software. So I decided since I had it laying around, I upgraded it and I started playing with it. And so I started doing a little bit of pinup art because I'm really into the vintage pinup style art. Um, you know, the old masters like Vargas and, and Petty and all those guys, really amazing artists. And so I kind of started trying to mimic their style only in 3D. 
And I started getting pretty good at it. I mean, I still was pretty amateur. So, you know, I had three, four, five done and I decided, okay, I've got these done. What am I going to do with this? I'd like to actually put them somewhere on some portfolio so I can share them and get some feedback with some people and start to sort of network. And so I think I went to DeviantArt and Renderosity, two websites that kind of are social networks for for art. Um, Renderosity is more for 3D art and DeviantArt is just more for all kinds of arts, big social network for artists. So I signed up at both places and I uploaded my stuff and just kind of started joining some groups and networking and making some connections with people online or doing the same kind of stuff. And basically just, basically it was just to learn and kind of get my, you know, cause I was new at it. I wasn't perfect. I, I kind of used the 3D software to kind of get the basic design out. And then I spent a lot more time in Photoshop, just like doing photo manipulation and adding colors and textures and things. So I spent more time in, in Photoshop than I did in the 3D programs. And the 3D programs were really sort of challenging for me. So I spent a lot of time just learning. And so I spent a lot of time networking and learning and just kind of working and at night or sometimes on the train when I had a spare time. I really just needed this creative outlet. And that's why I did the digital art. <clears throat> it wasn't really meant to be an art business. It wasn't meant to be anything I've done professionally. I just kind of did it for fun and to relax and kind of get my brain away from this, this business design world. So I did a little bit more art and I started to kind of come up with a little bit of a style that I thought was unique. It kind of uh, simulated the really old vintage style um, pinups and a lot of people were coming commenting on it, say, wow, that looks really cool. That looks really real. And this is kind of, you know, this was a while ago before all these sort of, you know, on Instagram, they have these, these, uh, like little McQuayla, these little, these 3d influencer models that, that agencies develop. And they have these 3d models that they, they, they promote just like they're real people. And they sort of, sometimes they, they, cross promote, they, they add the, the 3d image in with the normal image of people. And sometimes they wear fashionable clothing. And so they're 3d influencers. And this was kind of way before that. So people kind of saw this and they go, wow, is that real? Because it was really photorealistic. So I kind of grew a reputation about making sort of 3d realistic pinup art. And so I started to share a lot more and I was like, well, maybe I should actually kind of create a website since I know marketing and all that, it was pretty easy. So I fired up a WordPress blog and I started just kind of adding, you know, <clears throat> I do a, a WordPress blog post about a piece of art that I did. And I really, I just kind of talked about the process of doing it. Um, you know, the, the tools that I use, the things that I purchased and, and different things, because it, um, especially with, with Poser and nowadays a lot more people are using also DAS Studio, the, the 3D character modeling software, there's this huge economy around them, um, this huge ecosystem of different artists and creators who actually create 3D elements for the 3D models. So you, you, you download the software for free or you purchase it, and then it has sort of some stock people 3D people in it. And there's some stock like clothing and hair and lighting effects and stuff. And then you go to these other websites like Da Studio, for example, and they just have the or renderosity also. They have these huge shops full of all these different types of clothes and hair and, and lighting and backgrounds and accessories and, and, you know, different types of anything you can think of to, to augment these 3d characters. And, you know, a lot of like comic book artists use them or just all kinds of people purchase these and they, or they create the stuff and they sell them. So there's a huge economy of that. And it's really, I love that, that whole industry because there's a lot of really cool creative people 
And so I started just also blogging about the types of products that I was purchasing in there and just kind of giving, giving props to the people that create all the cool stuff, all the cool like textures and um, eye colors and hairstyles and shoes and, and uh, whatever. I mean, there's so much stuff that you can buy and, you know, different people have sort of different courses on how to do it or, or software that changes the shape or whatever. Um, just the sky's the limit in terms of the stuff that they sell and, and different people who make businesses out of selling that stuff. So I was basically just giving reference to these people that did it. And so some of the, some of the people actually saw that I was linking to them, um, on DeviantArt and on Renderosity. And they said, Hey, thanks for sharing. You know, thanks for giving me reference to do that stuff. If there's any of my stuff you want to use, just feel free to take it as long as you give promotion to it. So I started to network with a lot of the, the, the developers of these accessories in this software. And so I started using their stuff in my art and just making a lot of, a lot of networking with those, those creators out there. And so I got kind of well-known, not only for creating certain type of art, but also with the creators, because I, you know, I gave reference to, to the models, the 3d models and things that they made. So that started to grow a little bit. I blogged a lot more and I decided, well, at this point I should start, you know, adding some, you know, affiliate banners and things on the blog. Um, I think it was Renderosity and I think Dust Studio also, there's affiliate programs you could sign up for and you can actually, if you, if you link to some of the products, you actually make a small amount of money by, by affiliate revenue. So I started adding some affiliate links in these blog posts and I started getting more traffic and I said, this is great, but I, you know, I, I don't really know how much more I want to do because I had a day job that, you know, was taking up a lot of my time. Also I have kids. And so I really, this is something I did on my spare time at night. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, I started getting people writing me wanting to know if I would do commission work for them. And at first I was like, well, it's really time consuming. I don't know. And so I actually decided that, um, I, you know, I, I went through this in my web design days. It's like, I, I really don't want to do most of it unless it pays me a lot of money for very little work. So I basically started throwing out these really ridiculous prices to people because like I said, this was just a hobby. I did it for fun and I didn't really want to make a full-time business out of it because I didn't want to be on this sort of this, this hamster wheel um, design process where you're constantly having to work to get the next gig to work to get the next gig and you never get a chance to step away because there's no process involved with it. And that's any kind of design business. It's usually like that because you sort of are the business, you can't really step away from it unless you hire, you know, freelancers or whatever. And since this was art and it was my art, it wasn't really like something I could step away from either. So I said, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start at like something high, like I'll say 500 bucks for something very simple. And I got it. Like they immediately said, no problem. I'll pay for it. And then the next person came along and said, I want, I'm going to pay, I'm going to charge a thousand bucks for this. You know, it would take me a day to do maybe two days. I'm going to charge a thousand bucks. And I got it. So it just started like increasing my price every time somebody wanted a commission piece. And so I started growing a reputation as a th vintage 3D pinup artist that did commissions. And a lot of my, a lot of my um, clients were primarily the wives of uh, like police officers and firemen and people who had jobs that were very sort of iconic in the look. So they wanted me to do sort of a similarity of 
the, the wife wanted me to make a pinup that kind of looked like them dressed up as a police officer or as a dentist or, or whatever. And so I did a lot of these vintage pinups in this sort of style and they gave them away as gifts. And so they were willing to pay me a lot of money for it. And so, you know, I was making about 2000 bucks a piece on these. And really I, I wasn't, you know, all honestly, I'm being perfectly honest, I'm not that good at 3D pinup art. I'm kind of a hack. You know, a lot of these people also th didn't quite get the 3D connection. So they thought I was actually doing this by hand or hand painting or something. So, you know, I, was, I wasn't, I was perfectly upfront. I said, I do this in 3D. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here drawing with paintbrushes and stuff, but it just, that's what the way it is. I'm like, fine. And so I started to build up uh, a regular commission clientele of people that actually paid me 2000 bucks a pop to do a pinup for them. And then I also started, um, I started getting some offers from some products who wanted to license my work. So they wanted me to do some, some product design pinups for them and certain like, like a lot of, um, a lot of like um, wine and breweries and stuff. They use a lot of pinup art in their in their merchandising and, and marketing materials. So they wanted me to do designs for them, and I did a couple a couple products licensing as well. And so it just kind of started to grow. And again, this is just a side gig. It wasn't meant to be full time because I was still making a pretty decent income as as a consultant, marketing consultant, designer. Um, so I, I just kind of slowly started to build that and I started to add it to my portfolio. My portfolio got bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually I started getting offers from some book publishers to put my stuff in their books. It wasn't paying, but it was pretty, pretty high, high, high end publishing companies like Schiffer Publishing. They contact me. So I put my pin up in their work and they... The, these, this pinup art that I did, I just basically just, in, within one year, I just decided I'm going to be a pinup artist. So I called myself a pinup artist. Um, I didn't like, I didn't like think I'm just a hobby guy who does some pinup stuff. I called myself a pinup artist. So I really like, really like projected that on myself at some point. I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to claim I'm, I'm, I'm a classic pinup artist, just like all the classic pinup artists. And I kind of got that mentality about myself to say, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. And I think the the publishing companies sort of picked up on that and they put me in their books along with some of the most amazing pinup artists in the world. So I really grew a reputation as being a, a classic pinup artist and it just kept going and kept going. And so these sort of little steps into monetization grew and grew and grew. And I started getting more like earning some affiliate money from the, the affiliate refer referrals I did from the website. Um, I started just increasing my commission value. I also decided, well, there's a certain certain style of art that I do. I kind of had a very vintage effect that I did in Photoshop. And a lot of people wanted to know just how I did pin up. So I decided to make a course. So I did my first course and I just basically just like, I said, okay, I'm going to do a pin up in a couple hours and it's going to be a certain look. So I'm going to just record screen capture of me doing pinup art and just kind of talking along with it in terms of all the process and all the products and stuff I use in it. And, you know, also say, okay, this is, this is the, you know, this is the poser program. This is how you download it. This is what you buy. This is also Photoshop. This is how you use it. These are the products that I'm purchasing to make the pinup look a certain way. And so I just did the whole process. I talked through it in a couple hours worth of recording and I had an online course. So I took, the video and I uploaded it. Um, and I created a short like intro. I took like the first 
15 minutes or something of the process. And I broke that down to a separate video that I use as a free offer. So I started, I added a mailing list to my website and I said, um, you know, join the mailing list and receive a first sneak peek of the first video of my new course, how to create vintage style 3D pinup art. I forget exactly what it was called, but that's what I did. And I sold it for like 25 bucks. And um, within the first day I sold like tons and my mailing list grew and a lot of people just, you know, artists kind of just started coming to me wanting to learn that particular type of vintage effect that I did. It's like a layering effect or it's a certain sort of texture that I did in layers in Photoshop. And I mean, it's, it's nothing new because a lot of people kind of copied it and made their own products out of it. But that happens when you release ideas online. But, you know, it, it, for a while it was a very popular course and I sold a lot of them and I was also able to kind of monetize the, the business without having to constantly be engaged in it. So I didn't have to do so many commissions because the money that I made on the courses offset that. So again, I wasn't really intending for this to be a full-time gig and I, I still haven't quite decided if I want to do that or not, but you know, it was, it was just a nice linear upscale, upslope process of just adding value and adding, um, increasing prices and adding monetization aspects to the website as much as possible. And it, it just grew and grew. Um, so after a while, after probably five years of that, I had a pretty steady income on the side, just from, from, uh, course sales and from affiliate ref references and just from the the built-in marketing that I got from the the publishing companies that wanted me to be in their books. So I got like three books and along with the books, you know, other people contact you. And so it really just kind of grew slowly. Um, I think the reason it also grew is because I, I wasn't doing it full time. And so I really didn't have any worries, I guess, when I did it. So it wasn't like this is going to be the sole purpose of my business. So I need to, like, I didn't stress about it. I think that's really some of my most, um, you know, successful efforts are things that I never stressed on. I just kind of just let them grow in their natural progress. I didn't, you know, I, I put energy into it and I had goals, but I really didn't like freak out and say, this has to, I have to make, you know, X amount of money in a certain amount of time. And this has to be my full time income, blah, blah, blah. So I think no stress is really a key, key factor here in success and also the fact that I had previous marketing experience. So I knew how to, how to grow a blog and knew how to install a blog. Um, <clears throat> you know, I was a designer and a web designer before I was an artist. So I definitely knew how to create logos and create banners and, you know, crop digital art and make sure it worked. And so, you know, this idea of this sort of automated business really started to appeal to me a lot. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to create as many products as I can out of my work. So I started to explore some of the print on demand companies as well. So I tried a few and they didn't quite work. They didn't really pay so much on the sales and I didn't quite understand it. And they finally stumbled across Zazzle, which is just another huge print on demand company. And they have like, you know, you can load your art, upload your art and sell it on t-shirts and coffee mugs and, and cell phone cases and <clears throat> clocks and handbags and, and, you know, greeting cards and you name it, they have new products. Like every, every couple of months there's new products on there. So I started to upload my stuff to Zazzle and I started to sell some stuff. So, you know, again, it wasn't a sizable income, but it was income that I just kind of had to upload and there it was. And so, you know, along with Zazzle as my shop and a couple other shops that I used 
and the the course and the affiliate links from from every new piece of artwork that I created a blog post for. Um, it was just still a still an income, and I still generate income from it today. And I haven't even done any new pinup art in wow maybe a year or two, a year and a half. Um, so I I really just kind of slowly grew it, casual um, business. I still do it today as a casual business. I, you know, I get, I get inspired to do art usually end of summer. Um, once fall rolls around, the leaves start to turn orange and I get inspired to be creative again. And so I do some art over the winter, you know, just stuff to do when it's cold out. So that's really how I keep it. But I also know that I have this, this online blog, this portfolio and the, you know, the social networking connections from, from websites like DeviantArt and stuff. Um, to basically I could just upload my new art and it just kind of sparks some interest and engagement and it just kind of builds from there. So I really, uh, it's, it's casual marketing, I guess, if that's a term, that's how I did it. And I'm trying to think of what else I did on there. Um, spent a lot of time once I started generating Zazzle sales, um, I started to get kind of into the analytical process of what actually sells on Zazzle. I did a blog post about it. If you're interested in, if you do sell stuff on Zazzle that kind of goes into <clears throat> how I analyze what actually sells on there. So you can create sort of more strategic products. So I kind of got into that aspect as well, which I guess maybe I'll do another blog or another podcast about in the future, just on Zazzle, which is really interesting. But that's kind of my process. I'm, I'm sort of looking over over the uh, the website now and seeing what I did. <clears throat> I also, oh, one other thing I did here um, just last last couple years. So I, I kind of got a little bit bored of the pinup art aspect. So the website calls Digital Girlies. It's the pinup art of Sean Early, but I, I say it's like pinups, monsters, and maidens. So it's like pinup art. It's like sci-fi fantasy art. It's horror art. It's just kind of whatever I... I decide to create. Sometimes it's, you know, just some, a crazy space vehicle or, or whatever. You know, I decided that, you know, I, I didn't always want to create pinup art. I wanted to create more just cool 3D digital art. So I started adding more just digital art to my portfolio. And then I got a couple offers to do some book cover designs with my art. So they wanted to license my book cover design and just kind of put some graphics over it. And that kind of introduced me to the book cover business. Um, I used to do a lot of web design while wow, 15, even 20 years ago, I'd say. I've been, yeah, I, like I said, I'm showing my age. I did it that long. But about 20 years ago, when I first got started as a web designer, uh, I was getting a lot of authors who were hiring me to, to do websites for them. So I kind of knew the author world a little bit. But the book cover business is a little more interesting. It's just how, you know, how artists create work that they license out to book covers or they basically sell a pre-made book cover design. So I got into the book cover world. Um, what was it? About last year, I started a book cover shop. Um, I started to upload a few book covers to it, had a couple sales. Again, it's also a casual business. So I really, you know, I really love getting my art. I think one of the reasons I did so many, any, so many, uh, so many books with, with publishers just to get my art in because I, I love holding a physical product in my hand of my stuff. It doesn't matter what I do. I love holding that, that art book and opening it up and seeing my work in there. Um, I love just seeing my work on the cover of stuff, product design. I love that packaging feel, that physical aspect of my work. So, um, book cover design is really cool because you can basically just, 
you know, you, you just put their author name, their title on there in front of your art, which is formatted for certain sizes. You do the front, you do the spine and you do the back and then you upload it. And then somebody wants to buy it and you basically just do a customization. So you change the, change the title and the author name and add the, the book description in the back and add the, add the, you know, the codes and stuff. But then they take it and then you have your work on another piece of book and these amazing authors will write this amazing work and these amazing books and use your art for the front of it. And I think that's awesome. So I love doing that too. Um, that's something I probably want to get into a lot lately. Just again, it's a hobby. I just love creating that stuff and putting it out there for sale and just kind of seeing what comes back out of it. So that's, that's the gist of it right there. Um, I guess I will, you know, if, if you're interested, go to digitalgirlies.com and check it out. Uh, my course isn't up anymore. I, I kind of, it kind of got outdated, bleh, outdated. So I decided to take it down or maybe I'll do another one here. I haven't decided. It's it's really just a matter of time. And I really, I, I enjoy being creative and artistic. So I don't spend a lot of time in the monetization end of it these days, but it's there and I enjoy it and I, I contribute to it as much as possible. So if you find some things, get some ideas there, then please check it out. Um, it's not probably as monetized as it used to be, but there's still some elements there of it. But, you know, there's, there's certain affiliate companies that you can use that generate more income, um, just selling, sending other artists to Zazzle, you can make percentages of affiliate sales, sending people to Adobe, you can make affiliate sales, um, sending people to Daz Studio or uh, Poser, you can get a percentage of that sales. Um, all the products and stuff that you use, you know, it's really, it also depends on the type of art that you create. So some of those people were selling their art. Some of these people were making like, like, um, you know, clip art packages where they create like, you know, a pack of 50 like flowers with no backgrounds on the back so that people can put them in their art, these types of things that people can create. So if you create a certain type of art, then it's really easy just to, uh, you know, create, um, value to other artists to do the same thing. And you can just kind of take your stuff and make packaged products out of it. And you can upload it to these stores like, like, like Renderosity or like Dust Studio or some of the stock art websites as well is a great place to do that. So, you know, you don't actually have to actually sell your art as a completed piece. You could take your art and create, you know, creatives out of it and sell that as well. People make like Photoshop brushes and textures and layers. Some people just like take pictures of various types of textures like wood or rocks or stones. And they, they sell them as texture packs for 3d artists. Cause you know, 3d art is a lot of 3d models with, with real image textures applied to them. Um, you know, if you're a 3d modeler, you can take different types of 3d models and sell them as well. You know, any type of like a bunch of different shoes or a bunch of different, like anything that you can create in 3d that somebody could incorporate into their art, you can sell that as well. So like I said, there's a huge ecosystem that I think is really exciting there. And I, I love that that industry and the people involved and being part of that is is just, it means a lot to me. So again, it's, uh, you know, something I really enjoy doing. And like I said, I, I did it casually. So it kind of grew slowly without too much expectation. And I think that's, you know, with art, it's really it's a tough world to do anything creatively, especially when it comes to like art and music. So having these expectations, you have to either be really hardcore competitive and you have to be really on your game and your creativity has to be super sharp and you have to bang stuff out quickly, 
or you have to approach it like I did just casually. So I enjoy doing, I enjoy doing this stuff. I create this stuff and I just try to monetize as I go. So, um, learn as much as you can about marketing and monetization. And if you have some design skills and some web design skills, you can apply it to that really easily and really sort of build uh, a, a small business out of it and just kind of grow. And I think, you know, the money that I was making is probably enough that some people could live full time on. So, you know, I'm not saying what I wasn't making wasn't significant, but, you know, I, I made a majority of my income in consulting, which is a lot more than my art. So I never really focus it as my need to have income. But, you know, what I made on that, it was enough that you can survive on. So it was definitely a sustainable income. And, you know, it was consistent. So there wasn't any ups and downs. It wasn't like, you know, there wasn't any like rise and fall of demand. It was always consistent. People like art and, uh, you know, especially getting commission work from people who are going to pay a lot of money for it is great, especially if you get into like the B2B world. So if there's, you know, doctors and lawyers and, and dentists, they pay a lot of money for artwork that is, that goes into their, their waiting rooms. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of interior designers are paid by people who have a big fancy house to, to supply art to their house. So they, interior designers are also a great place to go to, to resource for, for commission work, um, or to sell your work. Um, trying to think. You know, I also, you know, places like, like Zazzle and these things, you know, they, when you upload your art, it kind of the, the website platform kind of push it, makes a graphic of your art on that particular product. So if you make like digital prints or whatever, um, they usually give you a visual of what the final piece looks like with your art on it. So taking those images and putting on your website. So your website actually shows your art on physical products and on print on, you know, a, a print that is on a wall or something like that. It's a really nice way to present yourself and kind of make it, make it, make the people who go on your website aware that your products are for sale for that context, as opposed to just like showing, showing your art, you know, the, the square or a rectangular JPEG of your art, you want to show context. So you show your art on an actual product and then you show that on your website. So it kind of, kind of makes people more in the frame of mind that your work is licensable. So you can, you can go to websites like, um, like Envato Marketplace, um, Envato Elements and all that. Um, they, they have a lot of like, uh, um, product, um, templates, you know, you can get your, you can upload your graphics. You, it's like a Photoshop file and you download it and then you can basically just drag and drop your art onto a certain thing and it puts it on a side of a truck or on a t-shirt or whatever. And those graphics are really great to put on your portfolio as well, because it kind of shows, you know, there's more depth in your products than just looking at the gallery itself. So that's, that's a direction I'm going a lot, a little sneak peek tip there, you know, so add context to your art. And so you appeal to not just the fans of your art, but to people who are looking to hire you for, for commission work and for, for licensing. So, you know, position yourselves in these different places strategically. So, you know, have one portfolio where fans go, one portfolio where commission fans go, one portfolio for B2B. So for licensing and, and context and all that. So, you know, switch it up a little bit, depending on the type of traffic you get to your website or the type of social networks you engage in. Um, that's another way to definitely position yourself in a place where people are willing to spend more money on your work. Um, and, you know, reach out to publishers, offer to get your stuff in books um, and anywhere you can really just network and, you know, have, have a website. Don't, 
don't think that just going to these, don't think that social media is going to be the number one place to do it. You know, you can up your load, upload your art to Instagram. That's great. It'll get you attention. But again, you know, you don't really, you don't control Instagram. So you can't really control how many people see your work on Instagram. So actually having a real website, a real blog that you control and you can put whatever you want on there. Um, you know, especially with my stuff, it was vintage pinup art. So it was, some of it was a little bit risque, slightly nude sometimes. So I didn't want to worry that uploading my stuff to some platform was going to get shut down or I was going to lose my account. So I upload the stuff to my website and I make sure it's there and nobody bo- is bothered by it because it's my website and you, you have more control over your business as well. So if you want to add a, an affiliate link or whatever, then it's, it's under your control. So again, I can't, I can't, I can't reiterate more, um, control your own platform, run your own website, even though people say websites aren't popular these days. Um, especially if you're doing anything controversial or creative, you want to own your own platform. And so your ability to share your work is under your control, especially these days with so much censorship and everybody's all crazy with each other and getting all offended at everything. Then you really want to, uh, secure your business in that and kind of remove any ability for other people to shut you down, especially large platforms like social media platforms. So, um, Again, I'm going off on a tangent here, so I think I'm going to wrap this up. But I I hope that information was helpful to you, and I am always here to share ideas and ask questions. So please reach out and let me know if you have any anything you want me to touch on, anything I talked about here you want me to to go into more detail. Uh, Like I said, I will share links in the show notes about all the stuff I talked about, the blog posts that I wrote on Zazzle. Um, And I think I'll do a podcast about that. I kind of want to do some up updated research into Zazzle and kind of feel that out again, but I'll probably, probably update that as well. So that was, uh, my 10 cents, well, more than 10 cents, probably pretty valuable to you, but, uh, that was my, my take on how I monetize my personal artist blog and artist business that I grew it into. And I hope you got a lot out of it. And this has been the grow your digital business podcast. And I would encourage you to please go and subscribe to the podcast like and share on social media. Be sure to check out the website at seanearly.com or the growyourdigitalbusiness.com. And please leave us a five-star review and a rating if you appreciate this information. It helps me grow my digital business. Um, And really, I just hope you reach out and ask questions and let me know what you think. So once again, my name is Sean Early. This is a Grow Your Digital Business podcast, and I will talk to you soon. If you like this podcast, don't forget to click the subscribe button to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. This podcast has been brought to you by the Robot Spaceship Podcast Network. For more info and other great podcast series, go to robotspaceship.com and subscribe.